How many of you were here last Sunday when Lisa was preaching? Did she do good? I got to watch her online. I was up in the mountains and I got to watch her. And I was quite proud of my wife. I said, you know, I could be up here for another week or two. And I almost turned it loose to her this morning. She's going to come along in a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to preach the first three quarters of this sermon. And I'm going to turn her back loose again. But I'm telling you what, I'm so glad that God gave me a wife and we can work together as a team. Amen. It, it really is nice. And so, you know, whenever you're deer hunting and someone has to go home, it'll be Lisa. <laughs> All the men understand that, you know. I had to drag her out of the deer stand and rip my rifle from her hands. And I said, you are going home. Somebody's got to work. So um, Justin and I stayed up there, had a great time. Now, I know that many of you are going to ask me, did I catch anything? My answer is we didn't go fishing. We went hunting. You don't catch deer, you shoot deer. So, yes, we did. We shot two. I shot two. Justin shot two. And can you have some meat? No. At $200 a license and $400 for gas, that's $600 for two year deer, you're not getting any. But I will invite you to go with me one day if you'd like to, as long as you pull your weight. You're going to clean deer with the rest of us. Justin, it was so cute, he's up there just blasting up the hillside. And he killed one deer with an old hawk and 50 caliber and his other one with his AR. And he was so excited until he went in the kitchen, started processing the deer for two days. And at the end of that, I asked him, I said, do you want to shoot any more? And he goes, no. <laughs> and he filled up a cooler completely. So he's ready for the end days. So everybody get your Bibles out and go to Psalm 23. That's enough deer hunting for one I know many of you are like, I don't believe you shot Bambi. No, we never shoot Bambi. We shoot Bambi's daddy, but we don't shoot Bambi. We see Bambi, we say, come back in a few years, we'll take you. Lisa did a wonderful job last week talking about the table of the Lord. There's so much in what she was saying that she was excited about it. And it is, and, you, and, I, and she said something that I didn't know. In your Bible and in our Bibles that we read, up, and, up until the time that God made a table and put the showbread on it, there is no mention in history of anyone sitting at a table. People sat on the, in tents and they sat on the floor and they sat around and, and even Jesus at the Last Supper was not sitting at a table. But yet the table is mentioned in the tent and God used it as the communion table and I believe it's where we get the idea of having tables in our houses today. So having said that, um, the 23rd Psalm, and I want to read the whole Psalm because I think God is the designer of the table. And I believe that the 23rd Psalm is about communion. And so you'll understand it as we read it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. He, the Lord is not shepherd, not, not my savior is my shepherd. He's Lord and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 4 is talking about the earth you're living in. 23rd Psalm is a psalm about now. Jesus being the Lord of our life. Jesus being our Savior. And we being sheep and him being shepherd. So the 23rd Psalm is very much a psalm about the church age. When he makes a statement, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you understand that God knows that we are here with bad people. We are living in a season and a time in the earth where there are people who are immoral. Excuse me. <coughs> and he knows it. You and I need to come to grips with that. We have enemies around us. And I think right now in the season that we're in, as a born-again Christian, we are becoming more and more aware of evil. I mean just flat out wickedness. And it's being flaunted. But God said something to us. He said, I realize that I, you're born again and I left you in the earth. And one day he will return and he's coming back and he's putting an end to all of this and we won't go through the things we're going through now ever, 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 ever again. All of the wicked, he's going to cast them into the lake of fire and then the saints are going to go in and, and it won't be this way. But right now, it's not so. So he makes us a promise. He said, yea, though you are walking right through the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. You, Jesus, are with me. Your rod and your staff, are, you comfort me. And verse 5, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I believe that he's talking about the communion table. He's given us a way to get a hold of God. Now, I'm going to show you something, um, if you would, please, because today, go to Exodus 25. It's not just a sermon. Today is a game changer for you. You're going to leave here today, and you will never be the same. Thank you for that. Um. The other morning, I, I had the wedding to do on Friday, and I mean, boy, you talking about the devil hit me. You, you know, understand something, because I'm a preacher and I preach faith, does not mean I don't ever need to use it. I use it just like you do, and at sometimes more than you do. So I got a wedding and I can't preach. I mean, it's be bad, faith preacher doesn't show up for a wedding and so I went in at four in the morning, and I went in there and spent some time with God and, um, and, and got my healing and went back to bed and slept, woke up a little hoarse. As a matter of fact, during Bruce's wedding, they thought I was a mafia bo boss. And I said, hey, Bruce, you take out Vira to be your wife? And I, and I got a low enough voice anyway, and this hasn't helped it. And so everybody there is going, is he, is he like in the mob? And I felt so bad for Bruce, but I thought, well, 
at least I'm here. And I looked at Justin and I said, I got to teach you how to do weddings. Because there may come a day when I may just roll back over and go to sleep. Call you up. You got a work to do. Look at Exodus 25, verse 22. I'm going to show you something. Every scripture I'm going to show you today is very, very powerful. <coughs> the reason I'm doing this is because we do live, we do live in, a, in a world that's bad. We do. And I don't want the world right now to overwhelm you. I want you to be prepared and be ready for what we're about to enter into. And we're going to go through it with joy. Okay. Now look at this scripture in Exodus 25. And I'm going to read 21. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And the ark you shall put the testimony I'll give you. And there I will meet with you. Listen to me. Everything... Now listen to what I'm about to say. Don't ever forget this. Everything God has ever done in this earth, he's always done it by via blood covenant. Without blood, God does not move. Now that answers questions. Why do we have uh, children in the earth that are dying of starvation and it appears as though God doesn't care? God does care. If someone would go preach the gospel, he would move. I think it's more do we care. But every, God gave you and I a promise. And I want you to listen to what he said. Anytime you come before me, if you will bring the blood, I will meet you. You can have a meeting with God anytime you want. I don't care how good you are, and I don't care how bad you are. Anyone can approach God via blood. And if you can get a hold of God, you can get anything you want. So I want to read this again, and I want you to let the impact of this hit your soul. You don't have a problem right now God can't fix. But you need to understand there is a place, a place. He said, I will meet you. We're going to take communion here in a moment. And I want you to know that when you bring out the communion elements and remembrance, God the Holy Ghost will meet you right there at that table. I don't care who you are. So let me read it again. And I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony and everything which I give you in commandment to the children of Israel. I will meet with you and I will speak with you. So we have a promise from God. And once we understand the way God operates in the Old Testament, when Adam and Eve sinned, they sowed fig leaves and started a store called Victoria's Secret. And God said, that's not the way this will be. And then he shed animals' blood so that they could have a meeting with God. You notice that when Cain and Abel, God rejected Cain and accepted Abel because Cain offered vegetables and Abel offered blood. 
And you understand that from Genesis to the book of Revelation, anytime we approached God, anytime, you're going to have to come in there with blood on your hands. And if you're coming in your own, your own strength and your own glory, God will not talk to you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Everybody in this room right now who's born again came into the presence of God with the blood of Jesus or you wouldn't have gotten saved. Amen. So is that only for one time? No. I believe that the body of Christ, we have limited God by only getting a little bit of what he has. I think it's time we go full bore. I'm believing God 100% healing. Listen, I fight battles just like you do. You know, I got healed of congestive heart failure and still have a slight flutter. I've decided no flutter. I'm not, 98%'s good, 99 is good, 100%. If he paid the debt, I'm not going to get healed just enough for the medication to help me. I want none. Why? Why not? Why would not someone take advantage of a God who can do anything? That's a powerful statement. We've really limited God. All right. Romans, all right. I know, I know y'all, y'all are so excited. Sit down, sit down. <laughs> Romans chapter three. Let's go over to Romans chapter three. And I'll pop it up on the, in the Amplified and I'm gonna read it out of the King, New King James. <laughs> if you're going to walk by faith, if you're going to enjoy the blessings of Abraham, you're going to get into a fight with the devil. <clears throat> You're going to enter a faith fight. And you have to be willing to fight. If you don't have any fight in you, then just forget it because it's not going to work. You don't just lay down. But, but if there's a fight in you, you take the scriptures that I'm giving to you today and I want you to fight with them. I want you to enter the throne room of Almighty God. I want you to bring your Bible in there, this blood covenant, and I want you to enter the throne room of God in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to put your adversary in his place and I want you to hear the God of the universe look at you and say, not guilty, go free. I think it's time for the church to rise up and do this. Listen, don't think that the devil's going to play with you. He ain't playing a game. He'll kill you if he can. All right. Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read to you is, is, um, is fighting words. I'm going to say something right now very, very powerful. The connection between you and Satan is sin. If the sin is gone, there is no connection. And if you're born again, the Holy Spirit cannot live in a man with sin in him. You have no sin in you. Now, I know you're going to think, what about First John says, well, we're going to go over there in a minute. 
But you need to get to the place where you understand that you don't, you were not made 98% righteous. You were made 100% righteous and there is no sin in you and there is now no connection to the devil and to you. He has no authority over you. So the other issue, if it's not sin, it's sin consciousness. Because you are aware that you've missed it. And don't think he don't bring it up. Mark Hankins made a statement that a psychiatrist, psychologist said, everyone has a certain sin consciousness temperature. We're always aware that we're imperfect. Well, I might be imperfect, but the blood is perfect. And I'm not approaching God with my good, bad, or ugly. I approach God with the blood of Jesus. And if it's perfect, then God will meet with me there. This is what I was doing at 4 o'clock in the morning before Bruce's wedding. And by the way, the newlyweds just came in. You know, I wasn't accustomed to calling him Bruce Jonathan. I hope I don't have to keep calling him Bruce Jonathan ever and again. I'll tell you what, it's fun. Doing weddings is fun, especially when y'all have really good hors d'oeuvres afterwards. All right, Romans 3. Let's look at this, and I want you to mark your scriptures in your Bible because you're going to fight with them. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God, verse 23. Verse 24, being justified or made righteous freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. Now, what a funny word. And I want to say this. I have never heard anybody use that word. It's in the Bible, and here's what we do when we read words like this in the Bible. We just read over the top of them. Like it don't make any sense, and we're not going to go look it up. We just go, and then we just keep going, hoping that something else makes sense. But we need to come back and read this word and find out why God put it in there. And I'm going to tell you what it means. Propitiation means restoration to fellowship, friendship, and favor. By the blood of Jesus, you have been restored to relationship, to fellowship, friendship, and favor with God. No sin here. Now you have to know that because when the devil comes after you, he's going to bring it up. And you better look at him and go, I overcome by the blood and the word of my testimony and you have no place in me. And listen, let's do this one now real quick. God is not mad at you. As long, listen to me, just listen to me. As long as you're walking around thinking there's a little bit of anger in him, you will not walk with him and you will not pray and talk to a God you think is mad at you. There's why, just listen to me very carefully. Don't, don't get mad at me. At any time we have a big powerful preacher with a super duper anointing on him. You guys get in the line to get healed because you know God loves him more than he does you. Not true. That's sin consciousness working. 
Does that mean that we don't get up there and get in the anointing and get in agreement? Yes, as long as you understand that God loves you as much as Pastor uh, big, big Shoes. <laughs> Are you all out there as you go home? I've been in meetings before and walked up and said, I want you to lay your hands on me. There's an anointing in here for healing, and I want it. But I'm not coming up there because I think God hears him and doesn't like me. I believe that God is emphatically in love with me. And you need to know that he absolutely loves you. And, there, and he sees no sin in you. That's powerful. That's why we hide from God. Sin consciousness. It doesn't mean that you're doing wrong. It just means the devil's accusing you and you're believing it. And don't think that you're the only one. Everybody in this room deals with this. Even Kenneth Copeland and Joyce Myers do. Kenneth Hagin did. Everyone. Lillian B. Yeoman. You heard Lisa talking about the Lillian B. Yeoman. It was either me or her a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. How in later in her years, she began to get sick and stayed sick. Do you know why this woman who prayed for sick people for 30 or 40 years all of a sudden got sick herself? She got under condemnation. And Satan began to accuse her as she accepted the condemnation. If you accept condemnation, it'll manifest in your life primarily as sickness and disease. It's not that you did anything wrong. It may be you didn't do anything wrong. It's just that he's starting to bring up things that are under the blood. And you need to know how to fight with the devil. Amen. Let me read this again. Are you all doing all right? Being made righteous freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God set as a propitiation, uh, restoration to fellowship and favor by his blood through faith. You're going to have to release your faith in that you're going to have to use your faith. It's not automatic. Okay. Let me read something to you. Infinite mercy. We can never do anything to deserve God's restoration to favor. Our access into the holiness of God is both initiated and finished by mercy of God. Nothing we can do to merit forgiveness. We are saved not by works of righteousness, but by God's mercy. It is so, he is so very rich in mercy. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. He has mercy for our failures and grace for our future. He is the father of mercies. The moment you exercise faith in the blood, you will always have a meeting with God. The man, the, the, the blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road, when Jesus was walking by and he couldn't see him, but he heard and he hollered out, have a mercy, son of David. Let me tell you something. He got Jesus' ear because he didn't say, I deserve anything. He said, mercy, and Jesus stopped. I've had times in my life when I've gone in and, and into the presence of God and I just laid in my bedroom on my face and I just said, mercy. You scream, you scream mercy, you're going to get up well. Because God is a God of mercies. 
And they're new every morning. Now, this is how I read that. If you have a real bad day, go to bed. Tomorrow, you can get to start all over again. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to look at this in one more scripture. Hebrews 9.22. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Remission means cancellation of penalty, removal of guilt, stops the power of sin. Sin has a power. When you do something wrong and you disobey God, you not only missed God, but you set up in motion a a series (coughs) that's going to continue to create hell in your life. But the blood of Jesus has the ability to go in there and not only stop the sin, but stop all the ramifications of it putting you back into a place of perfect fellowship with God where you're not reaping what you've been sowing. Well, y'all, hey, I'm preaching better than you, amen, amen. Don't you want to just go, I think it's time to just clean it up right now. So we have a, a table called communion to where we can walk into a church and go, I know I'm born again, but I just want to meet God at the table right now and talk to him about some stuff, and I need some changes today. I need a healing. I need some prayer answer, and I want to just have a meeting with God, and I want to know he's going to show up. So when we have communion in a minute, don't just pop a cracker and a grape juice in your mouth. You're doing this in remembrance of what he did for you. And if he did it for you, let's get everything he died to give you and let's get it all. It worked when you were a sinner. Would it work for you as a saint? Absolutely. The blood has never lost its power. Amen. I'm not going to sing the song right now. You don't want me to. Now, go to 1 John chapter 1, and I'm going to read something to you. One of the things you've got to learn, you've got to learn to tell the devil, no sin here. Folks, you understand what you just said? Because he only has access to you through sin. And if there isn't any, he has no access. All right, now I'm going to read this in a minute because, you know, I'm going to read a scripture that's going to mess you up a little bit. Or it's been messing you up. I'm going to fix it. In the Old Testament, when it says that God told the children of Israel, now you take a lamb and you slay that lamb and then you take the blood and you paint the doorpost and the lintel on the top with that blood. Now, a lot of people have said that was to stop the devil. No, it was not. The death angel wasn't sent by the devil. He was sent by God. Because man, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All men. But the moment that God sees the blood, listen to this, even God can't cross that line. That's good preaching. 
Listen, there is judgment for sin unless sin's been judged. If the sin has been judged and Jesus has paid the debt, take the blood and sprinkle it on the doorpost and over the lintel and the judgment of God will stop. Now, not only will the judgment of God stop, but Satan can't cross it either. Come on, I mean, we can live in a place of total victory in the earth right now. All hell's breaking loose around us and we're, and God is favoring us. Well, I tell you right now, I'm getting, I'm excited and I'm preaching. All right, look, First John, uh, one. Let's start with verse seven. If we walk in the light, as He's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So, stop right there. Don't read on. Does it cleanse you from all sin? Okay, the next verse is going to appear to contradict it. And this is the verse that hangs people up. Well, I'm going to read it and then we're going to come back and fix it. If we say, I have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. Why did he tell you you have no sin and then tell you you do have sin? He's not talking here in verse 8 about verse 7. He's talking in verse 8 about verse 6. If you're out of fellowship with God and say, I have no sin, you're deceived. And then he goes on to say, but if you are in fellowship with God, then there is no sin in you. If there's no sin in you, there's no access to Satan to you. I mean, what is communion for? You're gonna, we're just going to cut him off. Smith Wigglesworth had communion every day. There, we have it five times a year, six times a year in this church. You don't have to do it six times a year. You can, you can take this home with you. I've, I've had communion at home. Don't get mad at me. Don't, get, don't throw anything with cracker and Coca-Cola. I, I don't really think God's concerned about what I'm using, it's all I had. I think the point is, he said, you do this. I need, to, I, need to re, I need to come to God in remembrance of what he did for me. Because right now I'm being challenged on what I have and haven't done. And you'll always be in a place where you have and haven't done enough. Well, I know you prayed, but you don't pray enough. I know you gave, but you don't give enough. I know you love, but you don't love enough. And you'll always be on the backside of that curve. So don't fight that, that fight. You just walk in there and go, Heavenly Father, I've come in today and I'm coming in here and I'm just going to come in in the blood of Jesus. And God goes, well, come on in. Did, did, did God let Jesus in the throne room with his blood? He'll let you in with his blood too. Just don't come in without it. I'm doing pretty good. Now look, look, look at verse, now, if we say we have, okay, no, 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 no. If we say we have no sin, how is it then that I'm saying I have no sin? Am I deceived? No, because I'm not out of fellowship. If you are out of fellowship, get back. Now, y'all want some more good news? I like good news. 
The disciples asked Jesus one day, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he said, seven times. And he said, no, seven times 70. If God asked Peter to forgive seven times 70, how many times would God forgive you in a day? I'm going to tell you something right now. If you are up to 144, how many, what's the math? I mean, I, 490 times? Okay. If you're up to 490 times, go home and go to bed. You need to have another day. You got to start all over again. You, you're just a mess. But you know how many times I have done something and gone to God and, 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 and said, Father God, I, I missed it. Please forgive me. And I knew, I knew, I knew that he forgave me. And an hour later, I'm back again. And the devil's going. He's just not going to keep putting up with you. Well, that's the devil. And then God gave me the scripture. You, you got 487 more times. I'm like, I don't think I'll use them all up today. Say, God is a God of mercy. He said, I will meet you at the mercy seat. All right, let's read this. Let's read verse 9. So if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. Not only forgive them, but to cleanse you from the unrighteousness. That means everything that the sin brought into your life, he not only washes the sin away, he eliminates all of the ramifications of that sin. Aren't you glad you can get up and walk out of church and go, no sin here. Now the world will think you're nuts, but you need to live like this. Amen. All right, I, I got, I've got a scripture I'm going to... Um, I'm doing pretty good. I have an extra scripture that I didn't use in the first service. Is that all right with you? I love to tag team with my wife because um, she's doing so good. And I want y'all to get used to her before next deer season. <laughs> we might just leave Justin here too. No, he's already made up his mind where he's going. All right, I'm going to quote a scripture, and then I'm going to go to, I want you to go to 2 Samuel 4.4, 4, and I didn't give it to you, so I'll let give you time to find it. But it says, we overcome him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I want to read a story to you out of the Old Testament. It is a very precious story, and I think it's the story of you and me. How many perfect people do we have in here today? And I'm not talking about you perfect in Christ, we know that. Oh, we have an in Christ church here where everybody knows they've been made in the righteousness of God. Second Samuel. Um, I think I've got to get the other one. Second Samuel 4. I love, as a matter of fact, next month in Bible school, we're going to be teaching blood covenant. Folks, when you, you get into the blood, the blood covenant, God does everything by blood. And when you learn this about God, you learn how to approach him and you learn how he thinks. Amen. Anyway, it'd be a lot of fun. I was over in Africa and um, the Africans will tell you in the history of Africa, no one over here has ever broken a blood covenant. So I asked an African man, 
I said, um, if you go into the jungle and you go in with a blood covenant brother and the lion gets after your brother, do you have to stay and fight the lion? He says, yes. He said, but I never go in the jungle with blood covenant brother. Because when the lion comes, I'm leaving. <laughs> this, that's a true story. It was a true story. Marble will understand that was Pastor Picho told me that story. Second Samuel 4. And I love this story. 4-4. Four, four. Jonathan, Saul's son, had Saul's son had a son who was lame in his feet, and he was five years old when news came of Saul and Jonathan and came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. It happened as she made haste to flee. He fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Now this is, this is Saul's um, grandson. Now we understand that Saul was the king of Israel. And God took the anointing off of him to be king because of disobedience. Now, it doesn't mean that he was lost and went to hell. It just means that he's talking about whether you rule and reign in Christ Jesus. So Jonathan saw that God had picked David. Jonathan was the rightful heir had his father obeyed God to be the next king. But rather than fight with David like Saul did, he got in, he, he went to David and cut covenant with David. Think about what he did. What he did was very, very smart. I know you're going to be the king, so I'm going to cut covenant with you. So I'm not on the outside looking in. I don't want to be your enemy. That's powerful. All right. Now, what we see here is that Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth grew up knowing that David is the enemy. Many of the people in this earth, when you meet them and they're not born again, they have this mindset, God is my enemy. He's after me. He's out to get me and send me to hell. See, if you'll read the Bible, John 3, 16 through 20, everybody knows they're under condemnation because Satan's been judged. And they know God is a holy, righteous God. And they're still hiding in the bushes from God. So we've got Jonathan, and he is aware of who David is. There were political parties then, too. I won't say anymore. Figure it out on your own. Second Samuel 9. But I want you to see what David says. And um, I want you to understand, the story was written for you. Because you are Mephibosheth. Born of Saul. Born of Adam. So chapter 9 Verse 1, and David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Not because he's good or not because he's bad, but because I have a covenant with Jonathan and I want to be a blessing to his kids apart from their goodness. Now, I'm going to read this in Florida terms. Verse 2, and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, 
And when he had called David, the king says, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul in whom I show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. In other words, he can't even take care of himself. And the king said, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of my car, son of Amiel, down in Bithlo. Now, I added that. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. This kid is living in the slums of Jerusalem. If there's anybody completely unworthy, it's this boy. Now, he says, he's in Lodibar, and I changed it because y'all don't know nothing about Lodibar. But he lives in a mobile home in Bithlow, and he's on welfare from the state. I mean, he's just, he just barely, barely making it through life. And the king, King David sent and brought him out of the house. Now, I want you to, I want you to imagine what it's like from, from Mephibosheth to be sitting in his mobile home watching television all day because there's nothing else to do. And all of David's men surround his house. He thinks, I'm going to die because King David's his enemy. He says, he found me and he's come to kill me. And naturally so, yes. It's quiet in here. Verse 6, now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he fell on his face, he prostrated himself, and David said, Mephibosheth? And he said, your servant? And David said, don't fear. I will show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. The day I got saved, I had no idea. I, I didn't know he loved me. It, it blew me away that I went to a crusade cussing God on the way there. And when I got there, he, he, gave, he gave me mercy. He healed my body. He saved me. Got me out of debt. I deserved none of that. And yet, I couldn't stop making him love me. And I know what this is like to have someone just be kind. Because if you grew up the way that I grew up, most people aren't kind. Yep, that's true. Meeting someone who loves you unconditionally is rare, if not never. Because everyone I knew would stab you in the back in a nanosecond. I grew up in a very rough part of town, not when my boyhood, but later on. And I was in Whitehall, Georgia. And I mean, there was shootings every night. It was a rough section of town for me to come out of and to meet Jesus. And to him have mercy on me. Was my brain just could not wrap around that. Okay. Do not fear I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you all the land you saw your grandfather, and you'll eat bread at my table continuously. He's fixing 
to make him his son. Well, do you not get that? Here's a man that's been his enemy that's, that's worthless. He's worthless. Not only to have mercy, but for the king to look at him and say, not only am I giving you everything that your grandfather Adam lost, but I'm going to have you sit at my table and be my son. You're talking about mercy. I'm trying to help you when you take communion in a minute, just what it is you're remembering. Thank you for what you did for me. And go in there and get it all. Listen to what he says. And he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you would look upon a dead dog like I am? And the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, says, I have given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all of his house. Abraham's blessings are now ours. Uh, the, the, the prodigal, when he came home, he ripped his dad off. He, he ripped him off. And he's going home just to be a servant. And the father met him and put a robe on him, a ring on him, shoes on him, and reinstated him as a son. That story is powerful. And he was not a good boy. Religious people get mad then. They get mad now. If you're in here today and and you've been living like hell, come home. Make all the religious people in this church mad as heck. (laughs) There's not very many, but there's a few. The king called to Zibasol and says, I've given you your master's son all the belongs to Saul. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and you will bring in the harvest and your master's son will have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, will eat bread at my table always. He will sit at my table with me. It's the king. You understand when you got born again, the king of glory, not only and you were born again, but he offered you, when we go to, when we go to heaven, there's going to be a table spread, the marriage supper, the lamb, there's going to be ivory plates and gold forks and there, and there's going to be candles on the table made out of solid gold and all of it's going to be a table place set for you. If he would do that then, what would he do at the table now? All right, I'm going to go back and give this to Lisa, but real quick. He said, I'm going to set a table of mercy before you in the presence of your enemy. No matter what you're going through right now, I don't care what it is. You need prayers answered. I want you to approach communion differently today. And when you're done, I want you to look at the devil and go, no sin here. You just lost your right to rule and reign in my life. No sin consciousness. I have been invited to Jesus' table. And I sit with the master. I rule and reign in life in Christ Jesus. Folks, you got to read these scriptures and you got to keep them in front of your eyes. When you wake up in the morning, you need to open your mouth and go, I'm a brand new creation. 
old things have passed away. There's no sin in me. There's no connection to me and the devil. There's no connection to me and sickness. There's no connection to me and poverty. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Especially when you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you've got a wedding to do. And, and, and had it not been for communion, I never told Bruce this. I took communion at 4 and went back to sleep and woke up about, what, 8? But God's good. But I had to go to the throne room and get an answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I went there a little hoarse. Mm-hmm. Bruce, I told him I sounded like a mafia boss. <laughs> Do you, Bruce? <laughs> Take out Vieira. Hey, bring her up here. Come on. <laughs> I have a friend. And, and some of y'all know. How many of y'all know Carmen Chandler? <laughs> Carmen was in the mob. Melanie, did you know Carmen? Carmen was in the mafia, the Pennsylvania mafia. And so I like to tease him because he talks Italian. So one day, Carmen comes out in the foyer and he hands Lisa and I, I think it was a $100 bill. And he says, "Uh, I want you to go down to the restaurant. My, my, My cousin Jojo's gone to the restaurant. And I want you and Lisa to go have dinner on, on me. And so I'm, I'm joking with him. And I turned to him and I said, I'm going to do it, Carmen. I'm going to go in there and say, you're clear to join out. <laughs> and Carmen looked at me real serious and he said, don't do that. JoJo's in the mob. <laughs> he said, that's not funny. So I didn't do it. Isn't God good? Folks, this, very often the very thing that's hindering you is not sin, but sin consciousness. If Satan can get you in sin consciousness, he'll stop you that fast. You don't even have to do anything wrong. Without blood... You're going to live in sin consciousness without understanding what I just preached. This is not just a cute sermon. This is life. It says in the book of Revelation, I'm going to give this to Lisa. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You're going to need to bring the blood up to the devil a whole lot more than one time. But as you sit here right now, I want you to think about this. You're sitting here. You're a new creation. There's no sin in you, and you've been washed in the blood. You have every right to the blessings of Abraham. Yes. Stop putting up with the devil. Amen. 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 You ready? You got this? Are you sure? You just waiting on me to shut up? Exactly. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. What's a gift of God? The grace and the faith. If he didn't give you the faith to get saved, it's a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. So whenever, you know, we don't, we wanted to do this this morning because we don't want to take communion lightly so much. Every time we have a fifth Sunday, we want to spend a little more time on it. But always remember that communion is parallel to the Passover, and that's what Jesus did when he came to be with his disciples the Last Supper. He said he fervently desired to have the last Passover 
with them, which is old covenant and our new covenant is the communion table, the table of the Lord. And so, you know, and we're going back to when he delivered them out of bondage. And pastor said this, you're going to put the blood on the doorpost and the blood over the lentil, but you never put the blood on the doorstep. Never trample on the blood. You never walk over the blood. It was always over their head. It was on the doorpost. And so when the death angel, which was an angel from God, passed over, that's what Passover is, passed over. Their sons, their firstborns were spared. And the Lord said, get your stuff ready. Roast the lamb. Eat all of it. Entrails everything. That's gross to me. I don't want to eat the entrails of a deer. That's really gross. But he said, I want you to eat all the lamb. Get your bread prepared. You don't have time for it to rise. So that's why it was unleavened. They didn't have time to wait. He said, get your bread. Eat it unleavened. And the word bread always means provision. With God, he said, I provide, I'm providing for you. He provided a lamb for them. And so when he says, eat all the lamb, what that means to you is who is the lamb? Jesus is the lamb. You eat all of the lamb. He's not only supposed to be Savior. He's supposed to be Lord. He's not just a fire escape insurance policy. I said a little prayer. I'm going to heaven, live my life the way I want. No, he said, I want you to eat all the lamb. What that meant is you're going to live for me 100% wholeheartedly, but I'm going to give you the power to do it. He never requires or asks you to do anything you can't do. He always empowers you by his grace. He always enables you. And that's why I said, eat all of the lamb. Is he Savior this morning or is he Lord? Savior, as I said at one time, I'm good to go. Going to slide in under the pearly gates. Going to see how close I can walk to hell and slip into heaven. No, but Lord is, I take the yeses and the noes from God. I take the do's and the don'ts. Because he empowers me to live in both. I take everything that God wants for me. And I respect and honor him with that. Amen. And we talked about last Sunday that the, the table, the showbread table, and put the showbread on it, and that was the bread of his presence. It wasn't God. It was the bread of his presence. And who did we find out was that bread? That bread was Jesus. Yes, it was six loaves here and six loaves here. It was represented the 12 tribes of Israel. But he said, you keep this bread before me always. And the bread of his presence, that's what the showbread meant. It was the bread of his presence or the bread of his face. He says, I want this in my face at all times. And so here's what Jesus said. So let's read it. John 6, you can follow. My father, verse 32 most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. Moses said, or in Psalms it says, the Israelites yelled out to God after he had made water come out of a rock for them. They said, can God spread the table in the wilderness? Can he provide for us in the wilderness and give us food to eat? Can he spread the table? What's the answer? Your answer is yes. Made God mad. But he went ahead and rained manna bread, banana bread, all the way down on them. And quail hovered them at their feet so they could just pick them up. 
he still spread a table for them in the wilderness, even in the midst of his fury. Amen. So in John 16, 35, my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus said, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 51, I am the living showbread. I'm the bread of his presence, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And the Jews quarreled among themselves. How can this man give his flesh to us to eat? They're just thinking naturally. Jesus said, most assuredly say to you, unless you eat the flesh of me, the son of man, and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the third day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is true drink indeed. That's what it really says. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That day, he lost a lot of disciples. He had the 12, he had the 70. It says many disciples that day and the Jews and the Pharisees walked away from him. They could not handle the concept. He's asking us to drink his blood and eat his flesh. They just weren't getting it, were they? But this morning, it's symbolic. We're not cannibals. It's symbolic that unless we eat his flesh, the living bread, and drink the cup of communion and say, I am washed in the blood. There's no life for us. There's no life for us. So let's go to Hebrews. I love Hebrews. If you want to know mostly and not have to read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy about all of that in the Old Testament, just read Hebrews 7, 8, 9, 10. Amen? So I'm going to read you some, some great scriptures. This is for you to study out. 7 verse 25, therefore he is able, Jesus is able to save you to the uttermost, those who come to God through him. He always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And this has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily. Jesus does not need daily, as those other high priests did, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sons, then for the sins, and then for the people's sins. For this he did, what's it say? Once and for all. For this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now this is the main point of all these things we're trying to say. We have, who is that? Jesus, such a high priest who's seated now at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. The true tabernacle is in heaven, which the Lord erected and not man. Verse 11. Christ came, chapter 9, verse 11. Christ came as the high priest of good things to come with the greater and the more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkles the unclean, sanctifies for the purity of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ of the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience, pastor was saying. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. And this is the reason. 
For this reason, he's the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. Verse 40, chapter 10. Verse 10, chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 10. Sorry. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Verse 14. For by one offer, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He says, I have given you a new covenant based on better promises. In the old covenant, everything was provided. The bread was provisioned. That, that unleavened bread represented provision. Even the show bread on the table represented provision for all of the 12 tribes of Israel. He says, that's why I keep this before my face. This is in the future. This is my son. He is the provision. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says, we're all the loaf. We are all, we're many, but we're all one loaf. Why? Because we are from the loaf. Amen. In the Old Testament, God gave them all these things they had to do, but he provided the way and said, if you'll hear my voice and obey my commands, I'll take sickness from the midst of you. I'll bless your bread and your water. I'll take sickness from the midst of you. Deuteronomy 20, it says, you'll never miscarry. I'll bless the fruit of your body. I'll bless your home. I'll bless your provision. I'll bless your barns. I'll command the blessing on you in every area and every enemy that comes out against you. I'll make them flee before your face seven ways. And Jesus said, how much more now? How much more of the better covenant based on better promises? Amen. That's what the blood does. That's what the blood does. If you read the curses in Deuteronomy and just flip them, that's what you are entitled to. Even much better than that. One of the curses in Deuteronomy says that your children and a foreign entity will take them away and they will, they will grope around in darkness. Their darkness will be as the, the, their noonday will be like darkness. They will grope around the darkness and their minds will be confused utter confusion well let's turn that around Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law my children will not be taken away and their minds will not grope around in darkness and utter confusion hallelujah amen so let's go to 1 Corinthians 11 you can bring the bread up oh, you already did look at you hallelujah so in 1 Corinthians 10, before we read 11, I'm going to read this because I kind of went over it really quick. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. And another version it says we're all a part of the same loaf amen isn't it funny that in hebrews in chapter 10 talking about the blood talking about christ's sacrifice once and for all he has cleansed you once and for all there remains no more need for any other sacrifice and at the end of that chapter it says therefore let us stir each other up unto love and good works 
and forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. All that's tied to the Holy Lord's table and taken communion together. Did you know, and I told you this before, did you know that the word assemble means to gather? And the word gather means to come from all of these outlying places and come together physically as one. Can't do that through video. You're still sitting in your home. You know, if you have to do it, that's fine. But I'm just saying, you can't do it by video. You can't truly assemble yourself together. To gather means to come from all of your places and come together as one. And all of us based on the blood of Jesus and around the communion table. So let's read it. And then we will take communion. But let's come on up. And what I'd like you to do, not everyone's going to come on up before I read. I would like the head of each home or whoever you choose, designate. If you're a couple, let the man come up. There's two crackers in each napkin. Grab one, one uh, napkin for your family or two napkins if your family's bigger. Just one couple, one the man, or if you're alone, you can come up. But just uh, not everybody come up. So grab, go, go ahead and come up and grab the bread and grab a grape juice. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then serve whoever you're with if you are with somebody. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Amen. At the cross. At the cross. Praise the Lord. Thank you for the cross of the Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Come on, let's bless God. Praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10, it's with this cup that we bless. Yes, blessings of Abraham are conveyed upon us, but in this verse, it means the the evocation of blessings. We're to bless the Father. We're to thank Him for the cup of the blood of the Lord Jesus. So in a minute, we're all going to lift our hands and we're going to thank Him for the bread. We're going to thank Him for giving His body. Thank Him for the blood of Jesus. Uh, In one translation, it says, do we give thanks with this cup of thanksgiving? Amen. So if I can just go ahead and start chapter 11. Here we go. We're going to take the bread. Thank you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to say, hold the bread up, say, thank you, Lord. 
for your body being broken for me. I receive that brokenness. I receive your broken body. And today, symbolically, I eat of your flesh. I accept what you did for me. I thank you for what you did for me. You were broken, so I do not have to be broken. You were broken so that my life, my body, my heart, my soul does not need to walk in brokenness, but in wholeness. And I receive that wholeness today in Jesus' name. Go ahead and eat the bread. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you do it, drink it in remembrance of me. So lift up the cup and say, thank you, Lord. With this cup of blessing, we bless you. We thank you for your blood. We confess you as Lord, not just Savior. Thank you for shedding your blood for us. Thank you for making us brand new. Thank for you renewing a right spirit within us. Thank you, Lord, for this cup of blessing. We drink it in remembrance of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember me. This was not just an ordinary meal that they had. This was the Last Supper. This was Passover done in the spring. This was called Seder, S-E-D-E-R. It wasn't just an every night meal. It was called Seder, S-E-D-E-R. And so every time that you make a choice, the Bible doesn't really tell us how many times we have to take it. But every time you take it, Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. I believe that many of you should be healthier than you are. I really do. And I think a lot of times it's really a misunderstanding. I appreciate doctors. Doctors don't heal people. Doctors cut and assist nature. That's all they do. It's quite a statement. It's all they do. Pills are good to a degree at masking, but they don't heal you. I read an article, and one of them was in Kenyan and another by a doctor. And they said, if you could get rid of guilt and shame, 80% of the people in the hospital go home. What a statement. So listen to what I'm going to say. Most sickness in the earth is psychosomatic. Oh, oh I, I understand eating vitamin C. I, I understand eating greens and cutting sugar out. I'm not dumb. But the people who say that's the issue are wrong. You never saw Jesus change anybody's diet. Don't get mad at me. The man that came to Jesus and he said, your sins are forgiven. He got up and went home. And he was lame. The moment you accept that the blood has made you righteous, 
sickness will stop operating in your life. It cannot grow with nothing to feed on. It might be sin, but most of the time it isn't. Most of the time it's, it's sin consciousness. You're talking the way you act. You act like you're not saved. That's why when you pick up the Bible, and I'm going to read something to you. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you. That's the only reason, that's the only place in your New Testament that he tells you the reason for sickness. God's not stupid. Doctors need to pay attention to God, not the other way. I love psychologists and psychiatrists, but unless they can take you to the blood, they can't help you. If you're a psychologist, psychiatrist, I didn't make you mad on purpose, but I'm right. You can put a Band-Aid on it all you want to, but until you can get rid of guilt and shame, you'll never help a human. And you can't get rid of guilt and shame without blood. Impossible. Or Jesus was completely wrong in what he did. Don't tell me Jesus is wrong. For this reason, many of you are squeak and sick. If you judged yourself, you wouldn't be judged. Now, he's not talking about it. He's just talking about, well, that's get it under the blood. If you did something wrong, get it under the blood. Sin consciousness is killing the church. I used to think that if I preach righteousness, that you'd sin more. And I believe I'm wrong. I believe that that's wrong. I believe the more you know what God did, the more you want to spend time with God. Sin consciousness never elevated you out of a problem. You can beat yourself and beat yourself and beat yourself and you will not be any better off. But if you'll get on your knees and go, I'm going to take communion, God. I'm going to come back to the blood. You get up, not guilty. And you can say like Jesus, sin, sickness, and the devil has no place in me. And live on this earth free from everything. I want to read something I wrote. Y'all don't mind me taking a little extra time, do you? I'm going to anyway, but just say amen. I say, the just live by faith. My faith is in the blood of Jesus. The blood has removed all of my sins. All sin. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm free. The curse is broken. I have access to God. I found a meeting place. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you live this way? Absolutely. I want us to do something. I don't want you to shout and holler. But I want you to lift your hands. And let's give God glory. Because the blood in Jesus' body was the blood of God. Wasn't the blood of Adam. The most precious stuff in in the universe. Father, thank you. We walk out of church today. Free from sin. Satan, we're free from sin. We're free from you. 
We're free from you. You have no place in us. You have no place in our mind. You have no place in our body. You have no place in our home. And you have no place in our children. I plead the blood. And I stand before God and every devil in hell. And I say I plead the blood. Heavenly Father, thank you. That the blood of Jesus has set me free. And I give you glory and honor. Now from this day forward, Lisa and I are going to start doing something a little more often. We're going to go back in the archives and we're going to dig up a bunch of blood songs. Because I believe something Mark Hankins said. If you want a move of God, he'll, he will, you sing about the blood and he will show up. One of the reasons I preach when I don't feel good is I always go home healed. Now, my voice is completely straightened out. The anointing breaks the yoke. It's the anointing is in this room today. It's strong in here. Amen. I love every one of y'all. I want you to go out of here and have the best life you've ever... I mean, enjoy your life. And you might want to spend a little bit of time today pleading the blood I want to tell you one more goofy story oh I'm out of time tell it anyway Mark Hankins went to assembly of God Bible school and while he was in Bible school he found out that there's no place in the Bible that talks about pleading the blood so he goes home to his mom and he says mom I'm really concerned about this pleading the blood stuff you do And she says, well, you're in Bible school, aren't you? She said, you wrecked, what, 10 cars one time. He said, she said, it seems to be working for me. (laughs) (laughs) Proof of the pudding's in the eating. There's just times that I'll just stop what I'm doing and I'm under attack. I go, I just plead the blood. I just plead the blood. You say, that's old line Pentecostal talk. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. He can't cross the bloodline. Satan can't cross the bloodline. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.